0: Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 26 minutes now to 9 the time. Good morning. Over the last few weeks, there appears to have been a spate of incidents in which young children have fallen ill after eating something they've bought at a spaza shop or a tuck shop. In some cases, this has involved a large number of children becoming ill, but have largely then recovered. However, in Frederfort, in the Free State, a three-year-old and a four-year-old died after, we understand, eating snacks they bought from a tuck shop in Fentersdorp in north-west yesterday. Several children fell ill as well after buying foods from informal stores there. That led to raids on these shops. In the northern Cape yesterday, nine learners from Jan Kempdorp Primary School were taken to hospital after experiencing numbness, stomach cramps and headaches they had bought chips on their way to school. In other cases, inspectors have found people sleeping in the same structure in which they they store and sell goods. Of course, there are many aspects to this. People running a spaza shop may be the only member of staff. They may sleep in the store because they have nowhere else and because they need to guard the shop at night. So then, what food is safe to buy? What is not from a spaza shop? How should this be managed? And at the same time, do we need to protect our children from these stores? Well, first this morning, Penny Campbell is the director of the Food Control Unit at the National Health Department. Then you'll hear from the Gauteng Education Department. They've had particular problems with this. Their spokesperson is Steve Mabona. And finally, the president of the Informal Economy Development Forum is Rashida Muller. We start then with Penny Campbell, director of the Food Control Unit at the National Health Department. Penny, good morning.
1: Good morning to you, Stephen, and good morning to the listeners.
0: One of the things I've not understood about this is that when a child dies from eating food bought at a store, is what could the food be doing to them? I realize that expired food can be very dangerous, but it is still um, a very intense consequence that a child dies from buying food like this.
1: Yes, Stephen, it is most concerning that they are. there have been these deaths. Um, the cause of which we are still awaiting the uh, investigation from the South African police services. What happens when there is an unnatural death is that the police must investigate that and do various post-mortems. And they are then also looking at what could have been the cause of the deaths. Now, we've had the two deaths in the West Rand. We've had the two deaths in Soweto. And now last week we had the two deaths in the free state. Um, Whether or not they are all linked is what we still need to try and find out. Um, But that is what an investigation would need to unpack as to whether or not it was um, caused by a common food item or caused by common food items that might have been prepared or packaged in the same facility.
0: I mean, they could also all be something completely different, nothing related to the food they ate at yes. all. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That's why whenever there's an outbreak, like you've mentioned a few um, outbreaks at the various schools, one often has to then interrogate based on the symptoms as well as anything else that the children might have eaten, what could have been the cause of the symptoms. Yeah. Maybe- um, so that would be an investigation that is carried out by the outbreak response teams in the districts.
0: Many people will say that this is about expired food. Now, I realise that certain things are obvious. Expired meat is very dangerous. But, I mean, it would seem unlikely, unless it's meat, that expired food could kill you so quickly. I mean, I mean, surely expired millies or expired biscuits aren't that dangerous.
1: Yeah, we make a distinction between expired and best before. So expired foods are usually what you would find in the refrigerator. And those, of course, we would be concerned with because they would be likely to cause a microorganism or pathogenic kind of outbreak because they would be unsafe after the use by The, 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 the instruction is quite clear on those packages. It says use by a certain date. But when it comes to what we call shelf-stable foods, in the main, most of them are shelf-stable because they are said to be best before a certain date. Um, And so we don't call those having been expired, but we say that the quality is not guaranteed by the manufacturer, but they are still absolutely safe to eat.
0: So the reason I, I, I put it in this way is that it would seem unlikely to me, that, you know, a packet of chips could lead to a child dying unless there was something else in the packet of chips. It wouldn't just be because they'd gone past their best before date.
1: Absolutely. So it could, that's why we've got to unpack exactly what is the cause. If you think back to, um, I think it was last year or two years ago, there was deaths in the Eastern Cape from four children who had eaten noodles. And then there were another two deaths for children who had eaten noodles in, the, in Pumalanga. But when they investigated it and tried to make a correlation, there, was, there could not be any correlation made because there were two different, totally two different packages. And there were other reasons as to why those children died. And that's why it's critical for us to understand what has actually happened with regards to anything else the children might have eaten.
0: When you go to a formal store, um, you sort of expect to see best before dates and expiry dates. Um, Is there a duty on everyone who sells food, whether it be a tuck shop or a spaza shop, to also have dates on the packaging?
1: Absolutely. We have exemptions for certain food items that don't need a date. For example, foods that would never uh, lose any of their quality, like honey, um, vinegar and foods that are intended to be sold within the next six hours. So those are your quick items like you would find on the bakery counters in a a supermarket. But in general, everything else must have, firstly, a date of manufacture. Secondly, it must have a date marking that the producer determines what it is, whether it is a use by or whether it is a best before date. So those are the date markings that are required on any product.
0: So you would expect if you bought uh, Russian sausages at a spaza shop or a tuck shop, there must be a date on that?
1: Absolutely, there must be a date. And the the definitive thing that we require in terms of the regulations is that nobody may alter that date because that date tells the consumer what he wants to know, whether he's willing to buy something beyond its best before date as well as if it's a use by date that the product is expired and look you cannot uh, allow me to purchase this product
0: and it would be illegal to change the date obviously
1: yes it's illegal to change any of those dates
0: uh, there have been some reports of you know and people say they're sort of informal factories so they're not registered they're producing things like chips with they wouldn't be registered with government. Is there any evidence to suggest this this is actually happening or happening at at some scale?
1: Well, we don't know, uh, uh, Stephen. Usually when people are operating to develop counterfeit or fake foods, they're operating under the radar, like you said. They don't have a certificate of acceptability because they are not known by the municipality. And in most cases, again, the police, would raid such places and investigate and take the necessary legal action because it's a criminal offence. I do believe that they have raided a facility on the West Rand, um, but from my environmental health colleagues who link up with them from the national office, we haven't had any feedback as to whether or not they have completed the investigation and can then allow us to understand what types of products were being made Um, Are these the ones that are linked to where the children have been um, allegedly have eaten? Because that's also the other concern here, Stephen, is that some cases have mentioned biscuits, some cases have mentioned snacks, some cases have mentioned expired foods, and then some cases have mentioned um, a type of chip that uh, they often repackage. So there's very... it it's a very different landscape as to the types of product, at least with the noodles, it was, yes, there's noodles, so now we just have to go and Mm. um, investigate and find which noodles they were. Whereas in these instances, it seems that whatever might have caused this, we don't know whether it's common or whether, as I said initially, uh, could it potentially have been manufactured in a premises um, of different types of food where, a um, potential uh, chemical was in the area and could have then went into the food because it's not a a microorganism kind of illness that the children are also reporting with the ones at the school. Um, It could be a microorganism because some of them had diarrhea and uh, stomach cramps, but with some of them, it's about headaches and uh, just not feeling well. Um, So it could be anything at
0: this stage penny campbell thank you very much indeed uh, very helpful really appreciate the contribution the director for the food control unit at the national health department you are there CFM. fm 16 minutes now to nine the time okay that's important information around what may be happening with these informal uh, set with these informal uh, spaza shops and tuck shops steve mabona is at the department of education in ghateng steve good morning to you and thank you for your time as our mediator conversation continues steve good morning Good morning, Stephen, and to all our listeners. You've had several situations where children in your schools have been affected. What's happened? Yes,
2: it's quite concerning what happens in our school environment. Um, Like as we have already indicated, we had uh, so many incidents which uh, happened. Even uh, yesterday, we had a situation in Ritutong where over 30 learners were also rushed to the medical facilities, uh, you know, you know. what is fortunate is that we don't have any fatality there. So it's quite concerning that all this is, uh, encompasses the snacks, uh, biscuits, and uh, to a certain extent in the social you know that we have this, you know, it's all about consumption of these foods which like, I guess uh, the Department of Health has already indicated that uh, to a certain extent we don't even know what might have been the cause of uh, these fatalities and uh, the ailments. But uh, we will wait for the you know, investigations to, to, to complete, but there are necessary tests that the Department of Health has already you know, conducted on all the cases that uh, we are aware
0: of. Are there particular regulations around what can be sold near a school? I mean, if I were running a tuck shop near a school, is absolutely where I'd want to set up my business.
2: Now, I remember what happens in and around our schools. 80% you know, it's governance which will then, uh, the SGB will have the responsibility to make sure that they understand on what is happening in their space. And that's what we've been saying to, you know, SGBs to say, we need to you know, turn into the outside, uh, you know, environment that is outside our schools, we can't say we are focusing on what is happening in the school. uh, Because what happens, you know, in in the precinct, maybe, you know, a few meters away from the school, it has a dire impact in our operations, in learners getting sick after, you know, buying what they would have bought. So it's important that... We need to understand everyone that is selling street vendor, uh, other shops that are closer to us. We need to make a uh, concerted effort to interact with them and have an understanding. And we are actually comforted by what is started to happen in the city of Slovak where there's this, um, you know, raid, you know, where they are inspecting, and we will encourage other municipalities to do the same, so that we don't have a headache of us wanting to go now in the, to that space, have more stakeholders that we must work with, and then do those rates, because we don't have that capacity. So we're supported that now there's this, uh, you know, rates that are happening, and we encourage other municipalities to do the same.
0: Um, so there, there are different things to this, but, I mean, one of the issues is that Parents are still going to give their children money on their way to school. This is how it's always going to be. Is there some sort of communication or some sort of teaching we maybe need to do in schools as well? I, I realize, you know, Steve, you, you have so many responsibilities when it comes to our children, but it may just be that that might be the easiest thing to do here.
2: No, we are correct. We're Correct. We have actually put an emphasis on making sure that we upscale our advocacy, more so involving other stakeholders in teaching. Um, Learners on, you know, to look out on what to look out for, things that might harm them, things that might need to be avoided, uh, be it how life is conducted. with partnership with Social Development Department of Health, NPA came on board after the Facebook case uh, to say they also want to come into the space. We have NGOs that we work very closely with, so we decided that. In uh, enhancing the school safety plan that we have already launched three weeks ago, we will add elements of making sure that we increase, you know, the, 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 the effort on how we, 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 you know, impact knowledge to our learners on things that might harm them, but also drift into the SGB, you know, uh, also empower them because we have, uh, you know, Mexico New School of Governance uh, and mm-hmm. Leadership on how to also ab- avoid some of the things that are happening. So if you empower them, then they should be in to share the information with the parents.
0: Steve Mabornup thank you. Spokesperson for the Department of Basic Education, or the Gauteng Education Department, I should say. In a moment, uh, your mediated conversation on the will continue around food and the informal economy. We'll speak to Rashida Muller, President of the Informal Economy Development Forum. It's 11 minutes to nine. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Well, continue your mediated conversation around the informal economy, spaza shops, tuck shops and the issues we've seen around food and children falling ill. Rashida Muller is the president of the Informal Economy Development Forum. Rashida, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Good morning to the listeners, too. What do you believe is happening here? Why are so many children buying food from informal stores and falling ill? Yes,
3: you know, I'm going to start by saying, you know, a little too late. However, things need to be put right. Now, one one thing I have not heard this morning is the responsibilities of local government. The local municipalities are responsible for issuing licenses and, uh, you know, the certificates of uh, acceptability if one sells food and edible products. And I think there is a lack. There is a lack of the municipal officials doing the regular, um, shall we say, shall we call it visitations, uh, inspections to ensure, because everybody is just setting up shop. And maybe it has gone out of hand that there is no control. Now, because of the sadness of deaths and illness, we are waking up and now we want to act. So, you know, yesterday we had a meeting with the Minister of Small Business Development and her entire staff and many stakeholders within the informal economy and in the small business economy to to talk about about this, this exact topic of today and we we realize that the the government does not have the capacity to to monitor and to police this on their own and therefore, you know, we as the IEDF has said that we extend our hand, and so has other organizations too, to formalize a contractual agreement with the municipalities and with, with the Department of Small Business Development so that we can assist in this monitoring There has been a drive, especially by us in Cape Town, for what we call self-management of markets. In other words, the the organisations, the structures that are established in certain informal trading areas need to take responsibility of management with the oversight of the local government. And that will ensure that we can hold each other accountable for what is happening in our trading areas. But it's been too open, too laissez-faire what's going out on there in in our towns and especially in our rural areas where tuck shops are setting up everywhere. And it's very sad to have noticed that these illegal, unhygienic conditions of production of foodstuff is in place without being noticed.
0: Rashida Muller, are you the same Rashida Muller we've spoken to in the past who has always said that the police are too harsh on informal traders? Have I got the wrong person?
3: No, you don't. I am the veteran of the informal traders. I've been in the sector for thirty-five years. Yes, they are harsh when they confiscate, when they evict, and when they give fine. However, they are lax in doing their duties. This should never have taken place if they have been monitoring the, um, the spaza shops that's been doing all these illegal and unhygienic things. But one also needs to ask the question that where does these un or outdated products come from? Does the formal business sector destroy the outdated stock? Or is does it find its way into these stock shops? Another, um, another matter that needs to be monitored, you know, and it cannot be done by us. We do not have the resources. But, yes, this is serious in our country, and now there's, Big moves in all the out areas out there. Remove the tuck shops. Mm-hmm. Remove the tuck shops. They affect in our areas. But it's been allowed since when? 1994 1995 no. and it has mushroomed into what it is currently today
0: if it was removed it would probably come back very quickly because they serve a need so the point is that that doesn't actually help there is a a need that they serve so then it comes back to regulation and i must say Richard, i mean in the past you've you've always been very critical of the way that um tuck shops and informal traders have been uh, treated by governments i'm slightly surprised to hear you say what you say but Do we need then more inspections? Do we need uh, more police officers? Do we need, I don't know, a special unit or something?
3: I need to correct you because what we are saying is the informal trader is a trader who creates his own opportunities and his own job and yes, he needs to do a decent living for himself. But when you find unscrupulous tuck shops, going out there and selling poison to our children. They must be eradicated. And the responsibility of that is the police and local government. So yes, we need unemployment is so high. And the informal sector is the sector that will create the jobs if they are given the enabling environment and decent working conditions and access to market, access to funding, and control and monitoring. And we need to take responsibility with government for that. And that's why the IEDF says we extend our hand to assist government in the alleviation of unemployment and poverty. But however, there has to be very strict regulations, especially on the food concerns.
0: Are you concerned there's going to be a big backlash against people in your business, Rashida?
3: Um, A backlash from my people? No. No, against against
0: your members. Our, our, Our communities are angry at what's happened to children.
3: Yes, yes, that's that's correct. but the tuck shops are not run by the members of our organizations in the communities. The tuck shops are run by certain unscrupulous people who don't care and who don't have passion for what they're doing. they don't well they are, they are are looking we're looking at the children being killed. who can? Give a piece of bread to a child that is poisoned. That person definitely does not belong in our informal economy. They need to be removed. But for those who are doing a decent uh, living out there, trying to, you know, feed their families with, 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 Proper foods and healthy foods and we need to look at those things and, and the cost of fruit and veg that sorry at making our involved traders, you know, really die out there crying that they can't cope. But the the issue of today day is the fake product. The issue is what are we going to do about those who are selling the fake products? The communities have a right. Mm-hmm. To act.
0: Rashid Damullah thank you, President of the Informal Economy Development Forum. Really do appreciate your time in your mediate in our mediated conversation this morning. Steve Mabona, the spokesperson for the Karting Education Department, and Penny Campbell, Director of the Food Control Unit for the National Health Department. Bring an end to your mediated conversation today. Kathy is next. We will be back with you uh, tomorrow from Du Stanza and Port myself. Look after yourself. You're with SFM leading the conversation. It's nine o'clock.